All right, Final Fantasy movie. This is such an exciting opportunity. You know, we're we're huge fans of the game, and just to bring that to the big screen. Uh, yeah, coming off of Final Fantasy seven, eight, and nine, this is gonna be this is gonna be ginormous. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you know we'll touch on these like major major hallmarks of the genre hallmarks of the games like we'll we'll pack this movie full of the things that the fans love about final fantasy and it'll also work as a gateway to introduce new people like cinema audiences to the worlds and concepts and tropes of final fantasy games and i you know i'm just uh I'm not a gamer, right? I don't really know the world of of video games. I'm just an executive, right? So why don't you guys tell me what things you want in the movie from the cool. game? Cool. And, cool. you know, I'll see what we can make happen. Cool. I think of Final Fantasy, I think of one word, airship. We got to have an airship in this no. bad boy. Okay. Uh, fair. fair. Okay. Uh, uh, fair, fair fine. You know, like, you got to change, you got to bend some rules you gotta break some rules in order to okay how about um one of the hallmarks of final fantasy is these uh, uh birds that people ride called chocobos and i think that if we have our characters oh, yeah. riding chocobos in this movie uh then we're guaranteed box office success no okay well hey here's a smaller thing a healing item that's always in these games is a potion so you know we could have a character just swigging a no. potion kind of a little okay all right how about how about uh if you take uh, magic systems right no they have this uh, well what okay but like it could be a magic system that's kind of has some technological basis like materia you know no okay what about what okay what if you what if there's like degrees of magic system like blizzara blizzaga like you like you increasing oh, yeah. magic systems like that that show off like power levels of the characters? Hmm. No. Okay. Um I changed my mind about chocobos. See. You oh. can put it on a, you can put it on a t-shirt. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, and hey, if we're open to chocobos, maybe we're open to the other iconic character that is present in all these games, the no. Moogle. What about what uh, I mean, uh, most of the games have swords. No. How about it at least, you know, one thing I think we have to have in this movie is the music. The iconic score of Nobuo Uematsu. I mean, that just adds so much texture to the film. And then that that's just like such a key part of the property. It's like John Williams score in Star Wars. Like we it's 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 locked in with Final Fantasy. We gotta get we're gonna have Uematsu for sure. No. All right, can we at least could we at least take a picture of our main character in like a sexy bikini and put it in a, in a like a, a near porno meg? Well, yeah, no, you could do, you could absolutely do that. Absolutely, abs- that's a no-brainer. We should be doing that for every film, as far as I'm concerned. All right, then how about a character named Sid? <sighs> All right, I'll, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. All right, so Sid, C I D, Sid. No. <laughs> <laughs> We shoot invisible phantoms and maintain the same facial expressions as we discuss 2001 box office bomb Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, this week on Get Played.
Welcome to Get Played, your one-stop show for good games, bad games, and every game in between. It's time to Get Played. I'm your host, Heather Ann Campbell, along with my fellow host, Nick Weiger. Oh, you know that's me, Nick Weiger. And I'm here with our third host, Matt Apodaca. Oh, you know that's me, and hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Get Played, the premier video game podcast where we're talking about all sorts of video game and video game adjacent stuff right here on the show that you chose to listen to with your own human ears humans only i don't want any other beings listening to this dang thing all right no aliens no cryptids of any kind and particularly no phantoms calm down ashley from mass effect (laughs) famously xenophobic (laughs) i disagree if you're if you're an alien if you're an alien go ahead and listen because I would be terrified if this if you heard that and you were like, well, time to invade. Right. They might listen to this and be like, you know what? We got to end this in the human race. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they don't end it before this month's We Play, You Play, where we talk about one game at length. That game is going to be Final Fantasy 16, and that episode is coming out on Monday, July 31st. So if you want to play along with us, we are going to talk about it extensively. And maybe you already are playing along. We'll hear your thoughts then as well. That's right. Oh, boy. They're going to hear some thoughts. They sure are. We got them. We got some some chunky thoughts. I got a couple little marbles rattling around in this old noggin of mine. I got to put it. I got to put some serious time into that game in the next couple of weeks. I think you can do it. I've been pretty thin. I've I've been playing. I've been playing, but I've been a little thin on how much time I'm truly dedicating to it. Mm. And I think I just got to hunker down on a rainy day here in Amsterdam and play the fuck out of Final Fantasy 16. I think I think you can. I think you can do it. I just need it to be a rainy day. Weather, uncharacteristically sunny here in Amsterdam. Hmm. And it has been uh, a, 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 a little, it's been a little weird I came here. I came here thinking for it, it would be rainy. I understand that it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I didn't know the same applied to Amsterdam. Well, you know, especially because Shirley Manson was going to vacation there. Oh boy! And so she's probably beside herself. Thank you very much. This has been Get Played. You can follow us online at Get Played Pod. Or uh, I see an alien outside my window <laughs> pointing a gun at me. <laughs> not even an alien gun a human gun that's a really funny like if this was like 1998 and you wanted to do like a parody movie like one of those little grays coming into your room and then pulling a regular gun on you is pretty funny (laughs) (laughs) like yeah if we could find a way to go back and put that in scary movie too yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) you could do like an x-files parody in in like 1998 yeah. And that could be the thing that happens to like, you know, what would they call Fox Mulder? They'd probably call him like Dog Holder. Yeah, yeah that that's- Dog Holder is really good. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man, that's really good. That's really good. And he's he's like, he's played by like, um, like, well, Charlie Sheen's in those movies. So that's like not that funny. It could still be Charlie Sheen. It could still be Charlie Sheen. Yeah. He'll be Dog Holder. <laughs> And uh, and his partner will be Scully, but she'll just be Bones. 
<laughs> Just be a skeleton. Um, Man, it's good. What what is the topic? <laughs> the topic this week. If you're if you're like tuning in for the show and you're like, what are they going to talk about? We've got I've got we've got a chunky talk today. It's a true. real a real crunchy talk about one of history's most interesting cinematic bombs. Uh, we'll be talking about Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within. But before we talk about that, we always talk about other shit, and sometimes we do it like this. Where we're just like chit chatting, and we're doing like a little bit bopping, and we talk about a little here's and there's. We're just riffing. We're just riffing, telling stories about the road, talking about great sets we've done. Yeah. <laughs> There's been interesting video game news. There was. There. Were, are we going to talk about the Sega thing? I think we should a little bit. Yeah. This. This may be. You know. This will be probably about a week old when this episode comes out. But this. I'll read the headline from Xputer.com. A huge classified 272-page Sega document leaks online, revealing a gold mine of details. And basically, it just quietly showed up on the site Sega Retro as just a PDF called Sega FYI 1997 Brand Review US PDF. And within it, it's just like. You know, it, it's it's just got so many like diagrams and breakdowns of budgets uh, and, uh, you know, just like just technical details and uh, about just the Mega Drive and then the upcoming Saturn launch. There's like there's like a, a storyboards for a Saturn commercial that I don't know if that ever aired, you know, things like that. It's it's just it's it's really interesting. What what's part of what's interesting about it is. Learning that Sega was losing losing money on all of their hardware mm -hmm. and that the margin for retail was so thin, 6%. so thin. There, there so, were the retail retailers made $15 per unit of Saturn hardware sold. So so basically it is a. Uh, a financial burden on the parent company. And then there's very little financial incentive for the retailer to push Sega systems. Right. Which because is kind of maintained. I feel like it's why when you go to GameStop or when you pre-order a console, they want to bundle it with a bunch of software and accessories because the actual yes. margins on the hardware are pretty thin. Yes. Um, I, I remember when I worked at uh, electronics boutique, Back in uh, my childhood, <laughs> it's really funny to think that I was working at a, like I was a child laborer. Sure. Right. Working at a retail shop, selling video games at electronics boutique. And yeah, that was, they, 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 when they would have these like onboardings, they'd be like, systems are great, but selling systems hurts us. So you have to try and sell games with those systems. Even better, try and sell that two-year insurance policy. Nobody ever cashes it in. And it yes. just helps increase the margins on selling these systems, yeah, pure which, are, which are damaging. And you would get people who'd come in and it was almost like they knew. Because they'd come in and they'd be like, yeah, I want a system. And you'd be like, okay, um, would you be interested in a game for that? Because it doesn't come with a packed in game. And they'd be like, no. And you'd be like, okay, well, you know, sometimes systems break 
And what if you 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 don't want to buy a whole new one? So why, why don't you get an insurance policy for that? Uh, it's only fifteen. No. What about a magazine? Yeah. You like magazines? No. You'd be like, you're just buying a raw system. It's like somebody going into a a Wiener Schnitzel and being like, I want a hot dog on a plate. Hey, again, talking about chain restaurants. That's why they want you to buy the combo. The the sandwich or the whatever the main is is the least profitable item. They they make a lot more money on the sides and especially the drinks. Uh, this is a quote that was from this article that Executor pulled. Uh, I like this one because of the hubris. Uh, this is from uh, the CEO of Sega of America, Tom Kalinske. Quote, we are killing Sony in every store. Saturn hardware is sold out and there are stacks of PlayStation. The retailers commented that they can't compare the true sales rate because Saturn sells out before they can measure accurately. Wish I could get all our staff, salespeople, retailers, analysts, media, etc. to see and understand what's happening in Japan. They would then understand why we will win here in the U.S. eventually. Well, what's crazy about that quote, right, yeah. is that it's true. In Japan, the Saturn fucking ruled. It, right. it took a long time for the PlayStation brand to become established. And like also 2D games, which were a forte of the Saturn, were still very largely popular in Japan at the time. Also, it had that six button controller for fighting games. It was it was it was the system to beat. Sega was an established brand. So if you went to Japan and we're like, holy shit, the Saturn is fucking ruling here. Yeah. Of course you'd come back to the States and be like, why aren't people buying more copies of Bug? (laughs) (laughs) It has the best version of Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I don't get it. Uh, I think that, yes, but also if you're the CEO of Sega of America... You should have some understanding that these are different markets yeah. with different with different needs. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I don't know that that's from that standpoint. It's it's a very Trumpian sort of quote, but yeah. it's a. I mean, hey, look, I, I didn't have a Saturn. It was a one one system that generation I didn't have. But the but I did. It, it is it was a cool piece of hardware in retrospect. It, it, it's it's I, I wish to and I wish 2D gaming hadn't like kind of had its era where it just kind of disappeared did you guys get to the part in the document where it said that dr eggman was responsible for yuji naka's crimes and he's just a fall guy (laughs) (laughs) i I think they were really looking ahead there yeah (laughs) i think one of the most confound because i you know i flipped through this giant document's huge and i i didn't get through to the end but there is a part no i did not there is a screenshot (laughs) of a file that is labeled brand strategy and or a photo of this file labeled brand strategy. And there's a post-it note on this file from somebody who worked at Sega. And the post-it note reads, <laughs> screw technology. What is a bootleg? And like, that to is me, incredible. To me, that's like, OK, so. Somebody in this meeting or something was like, we have a bootleg problem. Mm, and sure, yeah. somebody took a note that was, what is bootleg? <laughs> <laughs> I did scroll to, I, by the way, just you, you talked about you didn't get to the end of it. I did scroll all the way to the bottom of the document just to see. 
And actually what ends with the document ends with a whole string of emails, uh, including some of the that that from from Tom Kalinske himself. This one is this is the final thing on the the final page. And this is just interesting as a timestamp. This is uh, from Bradford Carey to uh, Kalinske, Tom, C.C. Yamamoto, Utaka, subject Internet online service dated Sunday, March 17th, 1996. I received your memo asking when we would be able to offer access to online services from the Saturn Internet browser. According to both CompuServe and AOL, we could not access their conventional proprietary content services without significant changes to their technology. As such, they don't see a solution to offering their existing content through the Saturn. The articles you attached that discuss the AOL and CompuServe agreements with Microsoft and Netscape refer to AOL and CIS willingness to give their subscribers the option to view through the MS or Netscape browsers instead of the proprietary browsers AOL and CIS have created. My understanding is that these deals do not provide a new interface to the AOL or CIS content. Let me know if you have additional questions. So was Sega was the first like they were like very much the uh, the, the sort of pathfinding, you know, trailblazing internet company from a from a console standpoint like yeah. the dreamcast was like really how far ahead of its time in terms of of internet hardware yeah and they had what would what was their their on what, what was their service you could stream games on their their genesis service or mega drive oh, era service fuck. remember that's it called what was it called oh no i should know this Oh no, I don't know it. It was something like Sega Remote Arcade, but it wasn't that. But it yeah, was like yeah. they had they had a, a service like that too. But it just like they were so far ahead that no one was ready for it. It was like fucking Steve Jobs with the the original Macintosh. It was just like you know that the it, w- it wasn't quite scalable and the market wasn't quite ready for it. But it is interesting to see in the the mid nineties they were already talking about getting browsers onto yeah. consoles. Yeah. I I also like there's a there's a document that lists um strategy for for like pushing Saturn and like pushing the brand and it's like drive Saturn in this software strategies 96 97 there's a document that says drive Saturn Saturn hardware with exclusive arcade and Sega character titles parentheses Knights Sonic Fighting Vipers Virtual On and Virtual Cop 2 now when I look at that list I'm like Holy fuck. Like Saturn hanging its ha- hanging its necktie on Knights, which was like an unproven very weird title. Right. And then Fighting Vipers, which I played the fuck out of, but I don't think it, I, I I can't imagine Nick that you even know what Fighting Vipers is. No, I remember Fighting Vipers. Oh, wow, look at that. But it wasn't like it wasn't like a top tier, no. like, you know, it wasn't like Virtua Fighter. Virtua On was not top tier. Virtua no, those, Cop, are, cool, those yeah. are cool cabinets, though. Yeah. And, and then it also lists Sonic, which historically, famously did not come out on the Saturn. Right. They must have had plans for it at some point. Yeah. And then we're yeah. just like, yeah, it, it's a, it's they, they had like a, you know, they never, they were, they were, they were thinking ahead of, t- uh, uh, they were ahead of the game in some ways, but then re- like hopelessly behind the times in other ways. Like, what well, first off, like you're saying, how they're committing more to 2D and kind of throwing, I was like, oh yeah, we should have some 3D hardware in here as well. Uh, and then also like so leaning so heavily on arcade ports at a time and fighting games at a time when both were kind of falling out of fashion. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fascinating super, company. Super interesting, uh, super bizarre. Um, can I also can I also uh, share 
the uh, Saturn 1997 marketing calendar and their uh, their brand partnerships. Please. Okay. Foot Locker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coke and NASCAR slash Daytona, you know, for Daytona, yeah. mm-hmm. Cherry Coke, Lollapalooza, Arena Interactive, uh, the All-Star Game, Knights Wheaties, which, was there a fucking Wheaties box with Knights on it? Did that come out? The collector's item. Foot Locker, Fox TV, Taco Bell, the Macy's Day Balloon, and then <laughs> KFC slash Bug. Because <laughs> Bug. Bug. I really <laughs> thought Bug was going to be a big game. It's not a good game. <laughs> also, that's oh. like, I don't think you want the word Bug on your fast food brand. <laughs> no. Man, so many of them list Sonic 3D or 3D Sonic or Big Sonic games coming up and none of that shit ever materialized. Yeah. I mean, what what must that like cuz none of that conversation is in this document and there must have been like a fucking panic when they were like, "Oh no. Sonic Extreme isn't happening. It's not working. What's going to happen? We're not going to have Sonic." Yeah, I wonder, because also at what point in the life life cycle did they really know they were cooked? Yeah. At what point did they know they were coming in third and they were like, oh, well, Sonic's not going to save us. It's wild. I wonder if they came in third, all territories included. I guess we should have looked that up. I guess we could look that up. Should we look that up? I mean, we could. International system video. I mean, this is a weird podcast. Why would anybody listen to me Google? <laughs> no, no, no. Look it up. No, people love that shit. Woof. It, this looks bad. This is bad. Woof. All right. PlayStation, 102 million. N64, 32.9 million. Sega Saturn, 9.26 million. Jesus. Not ideal. Really, really not ideal. Oof. I'm, re- I'm trying to remember who developed their sports games of the era. Because obviously in the Dreamcast, when, once they got team, they, get, they had 2K, you know, the 2K sports line was one of the few things that like at all uh, gave a gave a life vest to the uh, uh, to the to, to the Dreamcast. But this predated that. So I can't remember who made their what their NFL and NBA series were back then. The okay, their NFL series was just called NFL uh, and then the year. So NFL 97 and it was the it was a Sega game. It was it was it was a Sega first party game and it followed up the 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 Joe Montana football series, which was the license for the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive. I guess just the Genesis. It probably didn't release in other territories. Why would it? Man. Tom Hamm elaborated in GameSpot about NFL 97. For example, it's hard to distinguish who the receiver is, and the quarterback takes too long to hand the ball off. Even executing a kickoff was painful. With so many serious flaws, the game's just no fun to play. 
it hurts to play NFL 97. (laughs) 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 It hurts. We could we could live in the past all day. We could talk about 1997 uh, until we're blue in the face. But we should talk about the present. We should live in the now. That was what 26 years ago. Get over it. Get yeah. over it. Get over it. And let's talk about what are you playing? What are you playing? Surprise! Wow! Oh, he's back. holy shit! Holy fucking shit! Blindsided by the Resident Evil merchant. That honestly been a jump scare. <laughs> <laughs> I like to I like to think of my life as a series of jump scares. Oh my god, how are you, man? Oh it's been a it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. Uh yeah, I've got a I've got a job. Nice. And uh I've I've got a small apartment in Pasadena. Oh, the lovely part of town. I love yeah. Pasadena. Great, yeah. great neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I live above a movie theater. Oh, cool. You know, that that sounds convenient if you like to go to the cinema. I imagine sometimes with that bass is rumbling, it could be yeah. a little bit tricky with loud. the screenings. Yeah. Loud. Yeah. Very the loud. John Wick movie in theaters, you're probably having a tough night's sleep. Yeah. Man, that, that guy could shoot. Oh, uh, yeah. So, one of the... How, what? What? Oh, just as yeah, I, I, he can he can shoot really well. One of his many skills. What do you think of LeBron James? <laughs> I don't play basketball, despite my height. Yeah, oh, you, you are sneaky tall. I am. I'm so tall. Do you I know the doctor found you, hunched, one but... of my one of my legs has two knees? Bizarre. Like the Brachiosaurus has a heart in its neck. Yeah. And a heart in its chest. In the same right. way, one of my legs has two knees. That's, uh, I mean, look, that's that sort of thing that would put you on an old-time freak show back in the day, but thankfully we're past those times. Yeah, you're yeah. like a marionette puppet. Yeah, yeah. How have you guys been? Uh, I'm doing okay. Yeah. You know, I feel like I've been getting over an illness for a while now, but beyond Ooh. that, I'm, I'm doing all right. Me too. La yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully it's not La Plaga in, in my case. Yeah, yeah. I th- yeah. I think it's just yeah. a viral infection, but... If if I got you sick when we were in the booth together, my lawyers have said, I'm fine. You can't do anything about it. You're... Okay. I mean, I guess you can't probably prosecute someone... For getting somebody for sick. For getting you sick, unless it's done intentionally, and it seems like you're saying it would, it would have been inadvertent. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I mean, uh, if you have, if you, if we're ever back in the studio, I know we're doing remote these days, but if we're ever back in the studio uh, and you have La Plaga, uh, please just don't come in. Yeah. We can zoom you in. Yeah. You don't have to surprise us with La Plaga. Yeah. I found, I found a way to get over La Plaga is to hotbox yourself with your own virus. I mean, this sounds like an ivermectin sort of thing. Like, yeah. this probably isn't supported by medical science. It's just your own. 
you're just just scatting up your own theory. How could how could how could you know um, a small dose of the disease be the cure? You know what I mean? There you go. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, how about how about you, Matt? Ah, you know, general yeah, state yeah. of ennui, but otherwise, yeah. all right. Yeah, of course. Well, Can't Matt. Complaints? Matt, how about I ask you a question? What are you playing? Oh, fuck. That's it. Feels good. That's why we pay him. That's why we keep him on staff. We keep. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, the uh, Resident Evil Four merchant is on retainer, baby. He's on salary. He gets whether he shows up or not. We're paying yeah. him. So <laughs> that was, yeah, that was a contract problem that we had like eight months ago. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of locked it's, up. It's low key why Stitcher Premium shut down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were like, guys, this is going to be the end of us, and we're like, do it, do it. Uh, <laughs> you don't understand what you're getting with this guy. He can pop. Yeah. He can pop yeah. up in any show. <laughs> right it's sort of in the it, yeah he can pop up and you want you him know, for office ladies he'll show up he'll be on office ladies he might be on comedy bang bang he might do uh you know he hey there's no guests on freedom he might do a freedom we don't know what they're what they're gonna do uh, I'll, I'll always do a threesome oh okay okay we well we i'm a little that. uncomfortable uh, just noting how many people are you're speaking to um, <laughs> but i'll say what i'm playing can't stop thinking about that double knee thing <laughs> yeah it's, i have two uh, yeah, turned on is why I'm scared. Um, I've got I'm, two knees in my penis, also. Oh okay, my God. All right. One would be concerning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't have to be two. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, a dick knee. Come on. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were off track when we were talking about the Saturn for 20 minutes. <laughs> we, we Googled. We did Googling. We Googled. Anyway, I'll say, when I'm playing, I have a couple of updates. One, I've crossed... I in many ways I feel like I've reached uh I've I've reached a zenith. I've reached a uh a new not a zenith because that's like a height that you can't uh surpass anymore. I've reached a yeah. certain point with within my play of Final Fantasy 16 where I know last week I said I don't know what's happened to me. Now I'm sort of on the outside looking in and I don't know who I've become anymore. Um I Holy shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have gone so far the other way into Final Fantasy 16 uh, that I've admitted out loud I think I'm addicted to this video game. Uh, nice. I've played it for 40 wow. hours. Well, 40 Holy hours shit. Plus. Holy shit. Wow. I've, doubled, I've doubled my playtime since last we spoke five days ago. Um, I've just had nothing but time to play this game. Uh, and I'm not even just... I'm, I'm like 58% done with the story. Right, like, because on PlayStation it tells you what percentage you've completed the game, uh, but it only tells you for the main story. It doesn't tell you like all of it. Yeah. Um, so I know that I'm I'm on you know I'm not like near the end necessarily, but I'm at the right. halfway point where I, you know I'm getting closer to completing the game. I'm also doing every single side quest that pops up because oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're not long. Every side quest is relatively pretty short. You can kind of blast through them. What I'm experiencing is I could finish this game. I probably will finish this game for the We Play You Play. Yes. Unless I keep doing 
all the other everything that the game tells me to do uh, i've never felt like this with the final fantasy game I and mean, like i've finished very few of them uh, yes so this but just being a full-on completionist is usually pretty daunting with one of these yes and i don't think like i don't think i'm going for the platinum or the hundred percent like I, that's mm. not something i generally do um but i i because i know that there's things i'm probably missing too like items or whatever or like uh you know finding certain things but uh it's gonna be it's gonna get to a point where push is gonna come to shove and i'm gonna just have to knock out the main story because i don't think i can how i'm playing is uh sustainable um but i'm playing that i'm still playing final fantasy 3 i think i'm almost done with that uh i'm really loving that uh it's it's so fun i just i playing the pixel remaster pixel remaster yeah and it's uh it's just such a nice contrast to um 16 it's because they're, they're just yeah. very different and it's like it's just a very nice like easier sort of they're both you know they're not incredibly difficult games um but I, not, I will say yeah, yeah I, I, I was i was talking to our, our friend of the show jordan morris about final fantasy 16 and and i had the, the same sort of thing of like it feels like they consciously nerfed the difficulty like it's not like a devil may cry hard yeah you know it's 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 i i think it's made on the default difficulty it's made pretty easy even without any of the charms or anything because they know that a lot of the final fantasy audience isn't isn't necessarily used to an action-based game yeah that is i think the reason the game i mean like i'm loving it loving Mm -hmm. it but it's not when, when i play it I'll play it for a couple hours and then I stop playing it to play Fortnite so that I have a challenge because mm-hmm. I'm looking for that like dopamine hit that like adrenaline rush and I'm, I'm not getting it from Final Fantasy, uh, which is a little bit like it's like a really good soup. It's a really, really good stew even, mm-hmm. but it's not like it's not like a hot wings challenge. So you want your like your meals to be like difficult is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah i mean is that not a thing <laughs> i do like something but I, I i yeah there there is something to you the like gaming side of I, yeah i like i like spicy food look at him look at him look at him go bit of a heat seeker yes <laughs> let's fucking go <laughs> crossover crossover the the uh the the you know I, there is something there I, I I get exactly what you're saying when you go when there's struggle it's it's more satisfying I understand that aspect of what you're saying is there a more difficult setting you can yeah. or is there just a default difficulty on on there, 16? there well there's action oriented and then yeah. you once you beat the game you can do like a new game plus which has a difficulty uh, a harder difficulty Final Fantasy but on mode. your initial playthrough you can't like yeah. go on hard mode no no, Got there it. is yeah. not unfortunately you could pick mm-hmm. bad icons probably that's probably like uh, <laughs> <laughs> map the controls in a really confusing way yeah <laughs> uh, but that, that's basically for me I did have a um, a friend of mine my pal Connor McCabe uh, great guy had a uh, uh, had a party at his house that was like a uh, fighting game party, and there was different stations. There was one that was just Super Smash Brothers Melee off to the side. There was one he had a Dreamcast room where there was like a fighting game going on, and the Dreamcast room was probably Marvel vs. Capcom two, if I had to guess. Maybe some other games as well. Uh, but the main event on the big TV was Street Fighter Six with fight sticks, and I hadn't played it with the wow. fight stick yet. And I won uh, like five or six matches. And uh, I immediately was like, I got to get a fight stick. 
it was it was it, it, it was incredible i i felt i felt amazing it was it was it was so much fun anyone wants to hit us up with some fight stick and hit box racks because i've been thinking about that as well you yeah. know there's a there hit us up on the on our discord i was playing mm-hmm. with someone's uh hoary uh fight stick mini and it's mm-hmm. it's about yeah. it's about this big right like mm-hmm. it's like you know i'm holding up my hands uh the, width about of my the size head. of like a like a Jersey Mike sub. <laughs> yeah, it was. And it's, it was actually this thing was actually kind of. This was Mike's way too. It was fucking soaked, <laughs> uh, covered with olive oil and red wine yeah, vinegar. It was very hard to play, uh, <laughs> but it was. Uh, it, it was a good size. I felt like the buttons had good. Uh, you know. Uh, the uh, what is it called? Uh, they felt good. Uh, tactility, to, tact, yeah, tactility. Good buttons and the the stick uh, was very uh, like it didn't feel too insane. So it, I, I liked that quite a bit. And I saw that that one's only fifty bucks. So I, I might be investing in uh, that little guy. But that's, that's it for like me. The mini, right? The mini. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's it for me. Who wants to go next? Wow. Very cool. Uh, I mean, Heather, you would, you were talking about Final Fantasy sixteen some. Yeah, I've been playing. Uh, my gaming has been light this week. Uh, just because I've got a lot of stuff that I've been taking care of here in the city. Uh, But uh, I've been playing a little Final Fantasy 16. One of my favorite things to do in a game of 16's caliber and environmental like design is to just and I mean, visual design, not like not like like a video game level design, which is different. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, Is I will try in any particular arena to run into every corner of that area so that I make sure I can see everything. Mm. And that has made my progress kind of slow. Like, I'll be like, you can't enter this house, but I want to see it from all sides. Uh, I want to like, make sure that I look at the roof. I want to make sure I haven't missed any details Mm -hmm. because somebody really, really struggled to create the thing. So when you're just like running past it with Clive, you might you might miss some of the artistry of it. It, It's uh, the same thing I try and do in like an art museum is that there's like a statistic that like, you know, these people paint these fucking paintings for years and years and years of their life. And then the average person looks at it for 15 seconds. And like I I want to try and ingest more of it than that. So I've been really making my way through it slowly. Um, and then also I've been playing, of course, Fortnite, but not as much uh, in part because my hours are weird for our uh, our robust and incredible community on Discord, uh, the Get Played Battle Bus. Um, but there have been a couple of people who have been kind enough to show up at strange hours for them. Uh, in order to squad up so the last couple of times i've played it's been with a full squad and that has been just so fucking heartwarming it feels i know it's strange because like fortnite's the same no matter where i am but it feels like playing a little bit of home like it feels somehow like a home feeling to hear familiar voices from the battle bus uh coming in through my PlayStation Pulse 3D headphones. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I I don't I, I don't have any particular players to shout out because I don't want to forget anybody. And I feel like if I if I shouted out somebody, they, somebody else might be like, well, "Hey, I was also in that squad." 
Uh, so I just want to say thank you to all the different squads I've played with over the last few uh, weeks. Um, really means a lot to me. You guys keep showing up at strange times. Also, we set uh, we set our uh, servers on the east coast of America, so everybody is at a disadvantage. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's super fun, and um, that's. I mean, that's what I've been playing. How about you, Nick? Uh, speaking of Fortnite, sorry, I just put a meme someone put in, our, put in the Discord in the chat. Yes, I've seen this uh, fantastic <laughs> meme. It's uh, <laughs> it <is> a Jeffrey <laughs> Epstein. <laughs> Jump into Jeffrey's limited time island event with a new Epstein skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is uh, diabolical. It's well done. Yeah, it's well it's well executed. Maybe. I wonder if I, I, I maybe this has already happened. I wonder if there mm -hmm. was a uh, skin released in Fortnite that then became representative of something extremely problematic. If mm. they would pull the skin, uh, I think they probably would. If you met, like, if it was a celebrity who got, or, you know, who got canceled or something like that, I think they probably would hmm. just take it out of rotation. Interesting. But I guess I guess what you're saying, like if somebody already purchased it with their yeah. V bucks, would they re refund their V bucks and make it so they couldn't use that anymore? I mean, they already probably discontinue things because of licensing agreements, right? Yeah. Or are they all there in perpetuity? They're in there in perpetuity. So if you get like Aaron from Attack on Titan, like you'll still be able to play that like ten years from now, yes. theoretically. Yes. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, I've also been playing Final Fantasy 16. The bulk of my gaming time has been dedicated to this game. I won't, won't talk about it in any depth, really. I do really. Uh, but Heather, you mentioned about just just taking in the environment. Mm -hmm. And I do think the from an artistic standpoint, the environmental uh, design um, is is really great. Like, it's just like the, these are uh, the, the I think these are just gorgeous exteriors and interiors. Uh, but uh, I, I'll, I'll save my thoughts in any depth for our We Play, You Play. And instead, I'm going to talk about a game uh, that is my current frontrunner for Game of the Year uh, that I discovered on Steam. Uh, it was on sale during the Steam Summer Sale, and it had a lot of positive uh, feedback. And uh, it's a game from a Korean developer called Mint Rocket called Dave the Diver. And I took a flyer on Dave the Diver. I cannot emphasize enough how fucking much this game rules. It's so fucking good. Uh, it released 1.0 on June 28th. It was an early access for a little bit, I believe. It has this incredible gameplay loop where you are this, this amateur diver uh, who has a scuba suit and you jump into the ocean, uh, which they call, and this is like typical of the game's sense of humor, which is another part of its strong points. Uh, the ocean is called the blue hole. So you jump into the blue hole and you dive around with just absolutely phenomenal, like echo the dolphin tier underwater physics in terms of moon maneuvering this your player character around. Uh, and then you, you use an, an arsenal of weaponry to catch fish, which then you do that in the morning and the afternoon. And then in the evening, the island where where you live has a sushi restaurant where you work as a server and you serve and the, you manage the restaurant and you serve the fish that you have caught uh, prepared as sushi. And it is just such a satisfying way. And then you can use that extra money to, uh, to you know, upgrade your arsenal uh, for when you go back into the into the blue hole. 
it 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 is so fucking fun. Like they have just wow. absolutely figured out how this this gameplay loop uh, ties in with your character's progression, uh, where every run feels consequential, where the stuff that you take from your run uh, goes to, you know, the 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 more sim aspect of the game uh, and enhances that. And then that gives you more uh, for your your subsequent uh, roguelite runs and uh, the 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 combat the underwater is really fun like a lot of times the underwater aspect of any sort of game is kind of like oh this is like a weaker part mm-hmm. you know there there's rare exceptions uh this game i think being f- entirely focused on underwater they really drilled down how to make that like super fun uh and uh and and easy to navigate but a big part of it i've talked about sense of humor is also like the main character for this game i should just i should just share my screen so you can see this uh the main character for this game Dave is so delightful. <laughs> he is a big, uh, it's a big dude. He is uh, kind of like a loser. <laughs> like he's like, he's like a loser that like other characters, you can see him right here in the, the corner of this icon. It's this big dude who's kind of slovenly with a goatee and then uh, like other characters, NPCs in the game, like make fun of him, Aww. and it's just such a, it's such a, it's a, like they're they're not like like in an aggressive way, like they're not like insulting him, but they're yeah. just kind of like like uh, that guy who served me at the restaurant was weird, like <laughs> just kind of things like that. <laughs> and then meanwhile, all the other NPCs are like cool and interesting, so it's just like such an it, such a, a like I, I don't feel like I've experienced this as, as specifically in a game where it's like, hey, the character that we're going to give you to play is super low status. This is like, I, I guess kind of a Luigi is the same sort of thing. Here's this sort of low status guy uh, who, you know, is 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 trying his best, uh, but is just like, having trouble fitting into this reality. But I, I don't know. He's he's awesome. And he animates so well. That's the other thing. I, I could rave about every aspect of this game because I think the 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 characters uh, are rendered in sort of this this more pixely style, uh, but it, you know it's a 3D engine, uh, and a lot of the uh, you know the objects and the ocean life uh, is more uh, a polygonal. And then you know it's also got like this just really serene soundtrack for this really chill vibe for you know the actual uh, o- uh, ocean exploring. I, I, I I'm all over the place because I love every aspect of this game. It's also got great great cinematics that don't get tiresome when they replay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got like a, a a really great phone system. Like you know a lot of games have phones these days, and this but the way this one integrates with the gameplay, it's like really effective. They just they just seem to have iterated on this over and over again in development to get it to get everything in sync uh, and everything informing uh, and enhancing the 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 core gameplay uh, and as such it's just like a fucking home run so yeah Dave the Diver it's on Steam I don't know if it's on other platforms right now it would be a great one to come to Game Pass eventually but right now support the developer you can uh, hopefully get it on sale if not it's it's 1999 full price uh, and absolutely worth every penny fucking love this game Matt you would love this game so much I, this would be extremely your shit I already have it the, uh, wish listed here now after uh, yeah. talking about it I guess I should cool. you would love get this. it yeah uh, Heather, I think you would like this game. I think the sim aspect of the restaurant might rub against you a little bit. You might not be as into that, but the actual combat aspect of it, I mean, mm. it feels like a classic sort of 2D, you know, platform action platformer with some combat elements. So I, I think you might, you'd at least respond to that or at least be able to appreciate it. But okay. anyone who's into this sort of game, uh, absolutely check it out. It's, it's pure fun. Well, Dave, the diver, that's the game. All right. I did a bad job there, but I was I was just excited. No way. Yeah. 
Everybody's just, ram- just ranting. Like, and then there, there's also like, and the, then you get the sushi, and then you you can upgrade the sushi. For like an excited kid talking about a toy. <laughs> can we go back to the Sega Saturn for a second? <laughs> <laughs> No, we can't. We can't, Matt, because we have to instead jump ahead a few years from 1997 to 2001 when Final Fantasy The Spirits Within hit theaters. Uh, This is The Game Was Better, our regular video game movie slash TV show segment. Uh, And we're going to talk about, because Final Fantasy 16 is the zeitgeist, we're going to talk about 2001's Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, uh, directed and produced by Hironobu Sagaguchi, who created the whole Final Fantasy franchise. I I want to set some I want to set some some tone. I'm going to set some some tone for this. Some time some place in time, right? It's the year 2001 summer when this movie comes out. So uh, the world has just seen The Matrix. They've just seen The Phantom Menace. The 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 launch of Final Fantasy 10 is do any day uh and square has just come off of a massively successful multi-hit game run mm-hmm. like right. from seven to eight to nine and the trailers for 10 are out and it's just like holy shit this company can do no fucking wrong they're cooking with gas yeah and uh sakaguchi's like i want to direct a movie and Square Enix is like, fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and they they build a, a studio for him in Honolulu that the studio to build it costs $45 million. Yes, insane. Like, so their, their initial investment into this movie is to create a Warner Brothers, like a full-blown fucking studio with 200 jobs, 200 animators working on this fucking this thing. I I had somewhere the amount of time it took to render each individual frame. It was yeah, okay, so it's 141,964 frames of movie and each frame of this movie took 90 minutes to render. Each yeah, fucking frame this is also at a time when shrek and toy story were like the pinnacle of cg movies Mm -hmm. so so square being like we're not just gonna fuck it we're not just gonna swing for the fences we're gonna swing for the stars we're gonna create photorealistic humans to be in our movie and we're going to announce that those actors will be in other movies. Like, yeah. Yeah. Aki, the main character, was an actress, theoretically, who would then go on to be in other movies if this movie succeeded. I Simone, was, if you will. I was so fucking hyped for this fucking movie. Yeah, me too. I I, I have rarely been hi- more hyped for a movie. Um, I've just put into the chat 
uh, this watch that came out from Seiko uh, as a tie. Oh yeah, I remember this. And it was uh, sort of a modern day, 2001 modern day uh, version of the watch that uh, that Aki wears in the film. And I was like, someday I'm going to make enough fucking money that I'm going to be able to buy this watch no matter what. I'm going to I'm going to fucking buy this watch. I never bought the watch. My friend. Uh, who I will not name was uh, so excited for my excitement that this um this mischievous character stole a bus stop poster of Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within for me, which I have to this day, one of those heavy vinyl backlit bus stop mm-hmm. posters. And then I was invited to the LA premiere of Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Wow. So I was in the first fucking audience to see this movie. And about 10 minutes into it, I started feeling sick. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) oh no. Oh no. It was already enough of a, of a strange blow that the guy who wrote all the music for all the final fantasy games did not write the movie, movie music. And no, yes. 100%. Nobuo Uematsu not included. And that's like one of the main things you think about when you think about the final fantasy franchises, Uematsu score. So you were like, okay. And then, uh, and then, you know, just coming off of seven, eight and nine, you were like, I kind of understand what a, a modern Final Fantasy movie is going to be like. And this movie was nothing like those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have rarely been more disappointed than I was walking out of Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. And you you saw The Phantom Menace. Yeah. But I wasn't a Star Wars fan. I, that, so I yeah, saw the sense. I saw the Phantom Menace <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is fucking weird, guys. I don't <laughs> like I don't understand why everybody likes Star Wars. This is what uh, my experience of Phantom Menace was going into the theater and then leaving and being like, this is what you guys like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Spirits Within Within was my Phantom Menace experience. And it was uh, it was heartbreaking. So going into this viewing, I really expected to have like just those bittersweet memories come at like, oh, fuck. okay, well, what a bummer. But the truth is. I was shocked at how much I enjoyed this movie this time. Interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll just to, just to step back in time a little bit. I, I don't have as as elaborate of a journey as yours. I didn't go to the L.A. premiere, but I did see this movie opening weekend. I think actually opening night with my friend who also was we both got Final Fantasy eight on launch day. Like we were both like that level of like yeah. Final Fantasy, you know, uh, super. And, and nine was already out by that point, too. You know, but like, you know, we were both. I remember when eight was out, we were in separate rooms playing the game at the same time like that like just trying to get and trying to see who could finish it first um because we didn't want to or, or or trying to get ahead of spoilers because the we were worried the other person was going to spoil something mm-hmm. so like we were both like that level of hype and i yeah it, it was i would say crushing to watch this movie i thought it, it absolutely fucking sucked and my reaction watching it the first time was that looked great uh but it was god awful and my reaction to watching it this time is 
kind of the opposite. Like it looks good for its time, but obviously you compare it to something like the Avatar, the way of water, like, you know, 20 years of progress. And I, and I know that's the highest height of this style of, you know, effectively a fully animated film but it's like there there's been so much progress technologically and artistically in terms of of computer animation uh in the, the in the 20 years since this since its release uh but i didn't find i wasn't because i didn't have the expectations of like here's yeah. the final fantasy movie mm-hmm. yeah in the same like it's it's like similar like like the super mario brothers movies like here's the super mario brothers movie and then you watch the bob hoskins john leguizamo thing uh where they're going to you know uh, like uh, it it's where they're in some like surreal like uh, you know, HR Giger reality. It's like, what the fuck am I watching? It's the same sort of thing. It's like, here's the Final Fantasy movie, and you expect the the Oimatsu score. Uh, I we, I probably didn't even know going in that it wasn't going to be the Final Fan. We weren't going to hear the prologue at any point. Yeah. I probably like expected like, oh well, we'll start with the prologue and we'll we'll hear hear some of the main themes and there'll be a new Oimatsu score or whatever. Instead, it's scored by a, a well regarded composer who's who's you know. Uh, the the composer is um, uh, if I just had his name, uh, Elliot Goldenthal, a well-regarded yeah. composer who's worked on a lot of of you know well-known properties, well-known films, but is just like not necessarily a great fit for this. And then also, it's completely just pretty much just sci-fi. Like there's none of the yeah, there's there's some more that's some more spiritual, you know, metaphysical elements, but it's it has none of the sort of fantasy trappings, which even something that was more sci fi like Final Fantasy eight, as hard as sci fi as that went, it's still hard, not hard sci fi, obviously, as sci fi as that one went, it still had shit like the gun blade and like magic. You yeah. know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it still was fucking weird uh, and and none of that existed. So I remember being super disappointed with this movie. And thinking it sucked and resenting it for years and revisiting it, it's bad, but fine. It's but it's more it's what 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 else is compelling and interesting about it is at the time I was like, this isn't Final Fantasy. And now Me too. 20 years later, I'm like, I'm surprised how Final Fantasy this movie is like what has expanded because also there's only been in the last 20 years, there were, there were Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9 all come out within like, and 10 all come out within like four or five years of each other, right? It's it's an insane run. I just I just brought up the chronology and then I might have just closed the window. Um, okay, so yes, 7 comes out in 1997, 8 and 99, 9 in 2000, 10 in 2001, and then 11 in 2002. So, so-, so yeah, within six years... Within five years, they released five mainline entries in the franchise. Right. And this movie. And yes. then in the 20 years since Final Fantasy Spirits Within, the 22 years since, we've gotten four mainline Final Fantasy games. Mm-hmm. Um, but... How did they fucking do that? How do they make... I mean, they must have become just, just different teams, but how they, how they made eight and nine a year apart is just is staggering because they're both also they're not like neither of them feels rushed. Well, you know, uh, there was an interview done with, uh, I think, Tetsuo Nomura, the guy who designed um, uh, Cloud and Squall and, and then ended up being the director on Kingdom Hearts. 
And he talks about how once because this movie comes, this movie is an enormous budget. And I've read, though I cannot find the sources on the the actual budget for the movie is obfuscated because it was much higher like it was it wasn't just that that was the 45 million dollars to build the studio and the budget for the film that it was actually a huge amount of money pulled out of Square's coffers in order to create this film because they were like Sakaguchi can't do fucking anything wrong this dude is gold right but the movie is such a bomb and they have to clo- they they do do one animatrix movie like one Animatrix short and then shut down the Honolulu studio. Yeah. Sakaguchi steps off of the board and then resigns from Square Enix in 2003. And then it, the, the, the people at Square are told, don't communicate with that dude. Like, and there's like a 15, 20 year hiatus on anybody even talking to him from his old team, like all the mentorships that he started what when he worked at Square. And Tetsuo Nomura in an interview was like, after he left, there wasn't any driving singular focus, singular vision at the company anymore. And right. I think that that's part of why you went from back to back to back bangers to this 20 year of only 20 years of only four games. Because that. Yeah, I left. mean, that. That makes sense. And then and then you also combine that with just like it's it's so much more labor intensive to produce a triple A game now in, in the you know, the PS2 uh, and and more advanced eras. I, I, I know so that that's more. true. But mm-hmm. also how much more labor intensive is it than this movie was? Right. I, I'm saying just combining those factors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sakaguchi's yeah. absence and then and then yeah, the, the, those two things probably Work together. Yeah, because that's that was a permanent severance, right? He's never gone back to square. He's just been at Mistwalker the whole time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, he uh, created Fantasian for Apple Arcade. It's a two part uh, RPG that um, he has said might be his last. Uh, and um, he made it because he went back and played six and was like, man, I really miss these games. I'm going to make one more good yeah. classic RPG. Um. I would like to read Roger Ebert's review of Final Fantasy The Spirits Within. I love that. Final Fantasy The Spirits Within. Three and a half stars. Also, I want to say, for a guy who famously thought video games weren't art. Yeah, I think he would have come around if he'd lived longer because he was a guy who was, you know... I, I, I kind of generally ahead of the curve with the with technologies and I mean, things. I mean, um, but yeah, go on. All right. Should I read the whole thing? I mean, sure. It's a podcast. Who cares? Other movies have been made entirely on computers, but Final Fantasy The Spirits Within is the first to attempt realistic human characters. Not Shrek with his trumpet ears, but the space soldier Grey Edwards, who looks so much like Ben Affleck that I wonder if royalties were involved. The movie, named after a famous series of video games, creates planet Earth circa 2065, where humans huddle beneath energy shields and wraith-like aliens prowl the globe prowl the globe the film tells a story that would have seemed traditional in the golden age of asimov van vocht 
and Heinlein. I don't know how to say those fucking names. But science fiction fans of that era would have wept with joy at the visuals, and they grabbed me too. I have a love of astonishing sights, of films that show me landscapes and cityscapes that exist only in the imagination, and Final Fantasy creates a world that is neither live action nor animation, but some parallel cyber universe. The characters live in that cyberspace, too. Not for an instant do we believe that Dr. Aki Ross, the heroine, is a real human, but we concede that she is lifelike, which is the whole point. She is an eerie presence that is once subtly unreal and yet convincing. Her movements, which mirror the actions of real actors, feel about right, and her hair blows convincingly in the wind. The first close-up of her face and eyes is startling because the filmmakers are not afraid to give us a good long look. They dare us not to admire their craft. If Aki is not as real as a human actress, she is about as real as a playmate who has been retouched to a glossy perfection. I'm going to pause there because it's really interesting to me that Aki did appear in Maxim. Yes. This is the weirdest fucking thing about this in hindsight, because, you know, a character that was named after Sakaguchi's recently deceased mother and they were marketing as they're like, check out this sci fi bikini, babe. Yeah. Like it like in men's magazines. It was so fucking weird because also her character is not really sexualized at all in the film. No. But they they were like, ah, I don't know, how do we sell this thing? I don't know. Fucking make her a pinup. And it's interesting considering the um, the conversations happening right now in the entertainment industry about like AI and like things like that. And like the idea that this character was or not this character, but like this, this, uh, you know, this 3d model of a person, uh, yeah. was going to appear in other movies, um, is, is wild. And like, it, 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 that I, I would imagine that actors at the time were, um, maybe afraid of that. Uh, I saw a, a, a quote, here in the IMDb trivia uh, from Tom Hanks, when talking about Final Fantasy and its digital characters, Tom Hanks said, I'm very troubled by it, but it's coming down, man. It's going to happen. And I'm not sure what actors can do about it. Tell you what he can do. Fucking uh, conduct the Polar Express. <laughs> yeah, he ended up doing it, kind of. Did right? it like immediately. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah. whatever, I'll just do it. Oh, I didn't know I could do it. I'll do it. I can be Santa? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Let's go. I want to read the um, the final two ch- paragraphs from this review because I think that they are uh, extremely prescient. Is there a future for this kind of expensive filmmaking? Parentheses, 140 million, I've heard. I hope so because I want to see more movies like this and I want to see how much further they can push the technology. Maybe someday I'll actually be fooled by a computer-generated actor, but I doubt it. The point anyway is not to replace actors and the real world, but to transcend them, to penetrate new into a new creative space based primarily on images and ideas. I wouldn't be surprised if the Star Wars series mutated in this direction. George Lucas's actors who complain that they spend all their time standing in front of blue screens, will be, which will be later filled with locations and effects, would be replaced by computerized avatars scarcely less realistic. In reviewing a movie like this, I'm torn between its craft elements and its story. The story is nuts and bolts space opera without the intelligence and daring of, say, Steven Spielberg's AI. But the look of the film is revolutionary. Final Fantasy is a technical milestone, like the first talkies or 3D movies. You want to see it whether you care about aliens or space cannons. It exists in its category of its own, the first citizen of a new world of cyber film. 
Yeah, it's it, you know he points at the and I know he also liked the Phantom Menace. I remember he, he uh, Ebert was I can't remember his review of Attack of the Clones, but I know he did. He was very bullish on Phantom Menace for the same sort of reason of like he just like appreciated the beauty of the filmmaking. Like yeah. he just like oh this is all sorts of cool shit to look at. I think more so than this film. Uh, it, as far as being a progenitor of where we are today, it's it was more the Star Wars prequels that ended up informing how movies are made in this day and age of just like, hey, we're still we're still photographing movie stars. We're still photographing human actors, but just on stages. And then we're painting everything around them. Uh, we did not actually go to the point where, hey, these are these are not real people. These are rendered, you know, CG creations uh, and these are character models that don't actually exist because I think there's just so much cachet in people in like fandom. There's so much yeah. in just like people wanting to have an actual person that they uh, can see on screen. Well, counterpoint, most of Spider-Man No Way Home or Iron Man you're sure. staring at a CG character. Like for they're effectively most, animated movies. Yeah, yes, they're, 100%. They're, you know, like. And it's only because those dudes are in masks that you aren't like, well, what the fuck is this? Because sometimes yeah. when you do see CG characters like in Rogue One, you're like, oh, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Because uh, even Disney and Lucasfilm with their infinite treasure chest cannot make it really human. But also, I think I think it's key what they're doing when they're in those in those Star Wars movies. Yeah. And also more recently in that. Did you either of you see the new Indiana Jones? Not yet. Not yet. I'd rather rewatch Final Fantasy. The spirits. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but um, the they do the same thing in Indiana Jones. There's a lot of de-aged Indian there. There's a lot of de-aged Harrison Ford. They they are they are using the technology to uh, uh, to depict real people like real individuals and they they weren't doing that here they were like we're creating new character models from whole cloth that are like fictional uh, you know like actors and we're, be, we're gonna be able to use them there just isn't like a it, it, it's like the VTuber thing it's like there there yeah. isn't quite a, yeah. enough of an audience for that yet and and, and so I, I yeah you're, you're it's a great point that something like Deadpool or or Spider-Man No Way Home is effectively so largely an animated movie but it's it's they we still have you know Ryan Reynolds or you know Toby Maguire we still have an actual actor that you can look at and be like that's the guy that's Tom Holland I know that that real person mm -hmm. that I'm a fan of and that's a key part of the film's marketing I so I, I don't know if we're ever going to progress to the point where it's it's you know there's there's no real world uh you know person that we're latching on to I don't know man like there's like four more Avatar movies that are going to come out and I can't I can't see the ones in the future having too many people in them. Hey, you know what? Avatars may be a good a good example, but these aren't like it, these aren't people here. These are like, you know what I mean? Like those yeah, are yeah, those yeah. are Navi. Yeah, it's its own thing. So I th if we get to the point where, hey, you know what? Spider from Avatar and said, so that's not a we're not we're, there's an actor we're watching anymore. That's a there isn't even a, a, a character that's modeled off of an actor. Yeah, there's just like a. a like if, if there's equivalent to that, there's humans that we're seeing that are meant to be photorealistic that are not played by actors or not based off of real existing yep. actors. Yep. Like, I think that's what Final Fantasy The Spirits Within was predicting. And we aren't there yet. And I don't know when we'll get there. I think we'll, I think we're getting close. I think Planet of the Apes, 
I think Avatar. I think Snoke uh, in The Last Jedi. I think we're close. We're real close, man. I I still don't. I'm skeptical. I just I feel like so much of fandom involves latching onto real people. I think, I think uh, like I th- why why do people listen to a podcast? Because they have like they want to listen to you know they they engage with the hosts on a personal level. I think the same thing happens with the creation of music, the creation of art, the creation of cinema. Not to get spicy, but I don't mm-hmm. think that the actors matter to uh, new fandom. I think that the least Could be. I think the least important part is to to. Uh, to modern fans is the actor. And the most important part is like, what's going to happen next? Like what's going to happen is Spider-Man, you know, maybe, maybe Marvel movies are, have crested and and that's like not the greatest example, but like, Mm -hmm. I feel like fandom is more about the, the, the stories than it is about the actors. And I think that those actors could even be swapped out and people would still be like, fuck, I got to know what happens to Spider-Man. I don't know. Hey, that's what happens in comic books. Yep. So, yep. So who knows? Um, uh, I, I want, can, can we talk about, I, 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 can we do what we're doing tangents? Can I talk about something else that, that Final Fantasy of the Spirits Within makes me think of? Yeah. And it was a really interesting era in video game adaptations. Yeah. First off, that they didn't know what the, they didn't know how the fuck to market one of these things. They were kind of running away from it being a video game. Yep. They wanted to change everything that made it interesting and and appealing to its core fan base. Whereas now we're in such a fan service era where they're like, ah, throw in absolutely everything you can to pack it in, jam pack it in. We'd have to make sure that the original fans are like on board. I feel like so much of that was like the Lord, the success of the Lord of the Rings trilogy yep. where they're like, like this succeeded because it, it, it hewed closely the source material. Like, like we have to do that with everything now. And that's obviously a big part of the MCU and so on. There was another movie that came out of this era uh, that where they also gave full creative control and the director like made the director uh, the creator of the video game franchise. Final Fantasy of the Spirits Within directed and produced by Hironobu Sakaguchi Wing Commander uh, directed by Chris Roberts. Who made the? Who also co-wrote the screenplay? Uh, made the Wing Commander series, which was a very successful PC game, uh, space flight sim series, uh, obviously heavily inspired by Star Wars. And they released that movie in 1999, which I also saw in theaters, and is complete dog shit. <laughs> totally sucks. Have either of you ever seen it? No, no but I, I it's just unwatchably it. bad. Yeah, ten percent. Unwatchably bad. Starring Freddie Prinze Jr., who I'm a fan of, and Matthew Lillard. Uh, and it just, uh, but it, it's just completely an ineptly made film. And it's kind of amazing that 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 you know these game creators had this much cachet where they're like, you know what, you know who should direct this movie? The person who made the video game. Any directing experience? No. Ah, fuck it. You know, get, take a shot at it. You know, the, uh, uh, that aspect of it, I, I'm just I'm just really surprised by because I don't think it happens today. Yeah, that's such a tough like, I don't know like you, they don't I don't think a studio now would be like. Let's give somebody who's never done this before a shot. Like it's like it's interesting because like you want people to have shots, probably right. Like if a studio was like, 
wanting like Hideo Kojima. Maybe this is a bad example uh, to direct a movie. Give him a movie. Give him a movie. This is a bad example. <laughs> yeah, because like we want that. Very bad example. <laughs> like we want it. <laughs> well, okay. So so here. So I guess the the modern counter to that is like Neil Druckmann and right. directing some of the Last of Us TV show. Yep. But there it was. It's also like the context of pre, of prestige TV, yep. and then there's also a showrunner who's you know involved who has a lot of TV experience. So it's kind of a different thing. Yeah. Versus like just giving the reins of a theatrical film uh, to a novice director. Man, we we've been talking about this for. Wing so- Commander fucking sucks. Sorry. <laughs> Final Fantasy Experience within is so much better. We've been talking about this for so long and we haven't even really talked about the movie itself. Yeah. Um, I I have a bunch of notes here that I want to just read out real quick. So if you if you're listening to this podcast, this it's a movie about uh the the world is fucking ended right uh like a meteor came and decimated the earth and there's like aliens that uh have infected every corner of the planet you can't see them unless you like shoot a fireworks gun at them mm-hmm. that will uh that will turn their translucent bodies visible um there is a lady dr aki ross who is uh hunting for these um like biological totems called spirits and if she can collect all of them then she can create a waveform that hopefully will undo the uh destructive effects of these phantom like aliens called phantoms yeah um yes and she's in direct conflict with general hine who has made a big gun called the zeus and he wants to instead fire it at the earth and destroy the aliens from space which uh, Dr. Aki Ross and her team says you could damage the earth because the earth has a spirit called Gaia. And if you damage Gaia, then you're going to end up fucking up the earth even more than these aliens. And that's the main conflict is the race against time. Well, she's trying to find all these these uh, these spirits of uh, of living creatures and also sort of the discovery of what the true nature of the phantoms are, which it's a 20 something year old movie. I don't know if we need to enter spoiler country, but here we are entering spoiler country. Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw. Um, it is that these aliens come from a planet where they were in a war and they destroyed themselves and blew up their planet. And then a hunk of it fell to earth. And on that hunk of their planet were ghosts of those aliens and those ghosts those ghosts are basically haunting the earth which when i fucking deconstruct this concept that's hype as shit that is an awesome fucking concept it's a cool idea i don't think any of it is well conveyed and i think as a result it just ends up being kind of a, a a confusing mush okay for the audience okay sure I, yeah. I I think it's an incredibly well-crafted anime. Like, I'm like, I, I can follow this from moment to moment. I, Apodaca? I had never, so I had never seen this, right? And I've not played a lot of Final Fantasy games, so I sort of have the least amount of uh, context. I But I understand um, the vibe of Final Fantasy, right? Like, I sort of know yeah. what to expect uh, from game to game. Um, even though like tonally they might be different from each other, but like there's certain things that cross over, right? Like crystals and, and magic and, yeah, yeah, and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. 
So I'm watching this, and I'm like, where the fuck's my crystals? Exactly. Where's, where's, where's yes. my, where's my magic? Th- we can't throw one fucking chocobo in this movie. There is Give a me chocobo. something. There is no a Moogle. To, There's a fucking to, chocobo. Where's the, the chocobo? Yeah. Where the fuck is the chocobo? It's on Aki's one shirt. Of spe- one of the spirits is a no, chocobo? No, it's on oh, Aki's a- shirt. That's not, a, that's not enough. Not on the... Not not, she's on, she wears a t-shirt at one point. She's got a chocobo on it. Hold on. Let me find this. It's it's, it's just it's just not enough. Because I'm, I'm sort of thinking about this while I'm watching it, too. If this was a Final Fantasy game... This would be the worst one. Like, it, it, I don't think it would be like, uh, you know, they're wearing t-shirts. <laughs> that was something kind of jarring too. I was like, oh, like there's, I know that in Final Fantasy 15, that's sort of a little, but there's like a car in that one or something, right? Like there's like, uh, it's, it's, it's modern. It's uh, or more modern than the other games tend to be. No, it, it being set in space and all that shit, like none of that rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. All that is like, this is completely consistent with what a Final Fantasy could be. It's, it's totally fine for us to be more science fiction than fantasy. But I, and I guess that the fantasy elements are like the spirits, the you know, that's all, supposed yeah. to be the element. But it's it's just not enough to, like to 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 feel like an actual Final Fantasy property. But also, again, it's like how how titles were used at the time. It was like this yes. is like based on the game series Final Fantasy, which I think is how it's said. It's just like it's not it's not necessarily meant to have any no. connection. It's just for the fans. It feels like a letdown. And so you mentioned earlier the live action Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not throwing shots. Oh, here comes a shot. I think that movie is more of a Mario movie than this movie is a Final Fantasy movie. Be- hmm. Because it at least has like it yeah, they fuck up all of it. Right? <laughs> like yeah. they fuck up how Bowser looks. Yoshi's a fucking dinosaur. Toad's a guy with weird hair. They're like you know, they're wearing the overalls like at the end. None of it looks good. But but at but least you, it's in the movie. <laughs> like at least it's stuff in there. Got, no, no, no. You've got a Sid. You've got a Hein. You got a Sid, yes. Uh, because Hein was, I think, the bad guy in three, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yes. You've got Gaia, which is in Final Fantasy VII. You have Chocobo shows up on her shirt. I'm gonna give it. Yeah. I'm gonna give it to her. Yeah. 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 And I would say that one of the most uh, the, the, one of the largest hallmarks of the Final Fantasy series is pushing the boundaries of the physical technology of the time it's created. Sure. So Final Fantasy VII is like, oh my god, oh my god, it's got that like moving characters on the CG. Whoa, holy shit! Like this, this is no different. Uh, I think you're doing a lot of work on behalf of the movie. Oh yeah, I uh, am. The, the, a film that a film that doesn't need that doesn't need a champion. Wow, because it kind of is what it is. Fucking, I, I think that I, I think that it's hold on, hold yeah. on. L- I, I'm look, gonna, I would uh, love for the, I would fucking, love to rewatch this second. and been like, you know what? It's one time for a reclamation second. project because this film's actually great. One Completely second. disagree. Though. Give me one second. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I watched this movie with Mary Laws. Uh huh. Mary's so cool. She turns. She turns to me. Love Mary. She turns to me. Forty five minutes into it, and goes, "This is good." Hmm. <laughs> I've never disagreed with Mary before. Uh, but, uh, I don't even I mean, think she, it's bad. Is the thing still, it's like she still made fun of it. Like there yeah. were still tons of things to make fun of, but uh-huh. she she enjoyed the whole thing. This is this is a glorified Easter egg. Aki's the the chocobo <laughs> that looks like a stain. Yeah. It looks like a dark stain on her pajamas. I put it in, in the one chat. shot. Yeah, Heather, is this your king? 
Yeah. <laughs> it is so rare that I'm on this side of this. Like, I'm always the one who's like, now nah, this sucks. You can't fucking, the combat sucks. Uh-huh. I hate this. I'm so grumpy. Yeah. To, to be the champion of something, it feels great, guys. I think, it feels no, great. I think part of why I'm this upset about it, I'm not even upset. This is for humor. I think while I was watching this yesterday, all I could think of was, I wish I was playing Final Fantasy 16 instead of watching this. 100%. <laughs> Would have rather spent two hours doing it's it. Also, but I will say, it's but, also yeah, funny how I think Final Fantasy 16 looks better. Like it looks yeah. better, right? 100%. Yo, I, I was actually thinking, there. The, my point of reference for this was because it's, it's kind of similar tonally is Returnal. I was like, Returnal mm-hmm. looks better than Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, this game that you can control in real time. And that's just that that like the way of water is just like it's staggering how 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 much technology has advanced uh, in 20 years. But uh, the but yeah. there are I think you can see different teams working on different shots in this movie because there are some shots that absolutely fucking hold up. There are shots like. She's walking down a hallway and everything in the hallway is lit immaculately. And you're like, that could be great lighting. That could be a full that could be a fully modern CG shot in a fucking movie. Yeah. There, there's like a, there's a couple shots where like she's like there's one where she's like laying on the ground and like the fabric of her uh, outfit is perfect and the rubble is perfect and the fire is perfect. And I'm like, whoever this A team is, who's on some of these shots they're they're fucking killing it and then there are other shots where it doesn't even look like they they animated steve buscemi's character's face for his jokes like it looks like somebody telling jokes through a mask and then there are that's a big issue then there are shots where like the there's a shot of like heinz assistant and and that guy looks real like he fully bypasses the uncanny valley in like one shot. And I was like, what, the, what is there's part of what what's weird about it is it swings really wildly from working and not working visually. Like there are shots that I'm like, did you finish this? Cause you're the faces are so static and like mannequin esque. And then there are shots where it's like, fuck, this looks incredible. The woodenness of the, it, the, the expressions on the characters is a is a huge issue with this movie. Most of them yeah. are just really vacant. Yeah. And that's it, more than anything that makes it feel really dated. I, I don't think motion capture was used for this movie. I don't I could be wrong. I think Ebert's review says it is. It is. OK, um, but it, but it wasn't it certainly wasn't what we have no. now where it's like Benedict Cumberbatch is playing, you know, Smaug and and we're see where his performance is mapped onto like like like. So we're not getting a lot of the granular detail of like an actor's motions. Not that you necessarily need need to do that. There are also like animated movies that are uh, that the, that are super expressive that don't use motion capture. But like this is the, it's played. I, it, it, it's it's too wooden or or too subtle, whatever it is. Like it just doesn't come across in terms of the expressiveness of the of the characters. All right, I have a I have a paper from MIT uh, that uh, describes the um, okay in this in this culturally liminal space. The diverse production staff painstakingly constructed the movie using the following process. So this is a, this is a breakdown of how they actually made it. 
First, frame-by-frame storyboards were scanned into a slideshow AVID system while the voice actors recorded the script. Using a program called Alias or Wavefront Maya, the scenes were blocked and shot with virtual cameras, which moved like real cameras to provide the necessary cinematic look. Storyboards and layouts were then sent to the animation and motion capture departments. The former held the subtext and character emotions for the story, while the latter contained camera moves and character blocking synchronized with the voices of the actors. According to animation director Andy Jones, animators debated on what made a character more human, the way it moved or the way it looked, and finally decided to focus on its look, particularly the face and fingers. Also due perhaps to Sakaguchi's penchant for elaborate storyboarding, the crew paid more attention to conveying the emotional state of the characters through appearance rather than through dialogue. Um, Motion capture accounted for 90% of the body movements that were used in the film. Got it. But it looks like the... Uh, in addition to large movements, motion capture was used to get the bodily nuances of the performers when they were still nuances that were difficult to animate, but easy to record through a 16 camera optical motion capture system and the tracking software from motion analysis. So it looks like it was a real merger between hand animating some of these facial changes and then like major structural motion capture for for bodies. I, I will say that the the facial expressions are often very wooden and they're not aided by the voice performances from most of the cast, most of which are just like, you know, Ming-Na has talked about like 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 was in total isolation. And I, I think her performance is is good and is one of the the, you know, things that anchors this yeah. film. Uh, but like, you know, all the, the actors were working on themselves in the booth. I don't know if they were directed by Sakaguchi or by the voice director. I mean, Sakaguchi does speak English, so I, I imagine he was at least involved. But but like, you know, so that performance is pretty good. And I think Dr. Sid, Donald Sutherland is is pretty good. Beyond that, most of the cast is just so lifeless. I mean, you mentioned Buscemi, and it's weird, like, Buscemi seems so flat throughout this. Again, it could be how he was directed. It could be the takes that were pulled. But it, but it's just like he's, like, supposed to be, like, the wisecracking guy. And so much, so many of his lines have so little energy. Uh, and then, you know, Perry Gilpin, I think, is pretty good. You can kind of see an alternate career path for her. Roz from <laughs> Frasier, where she maybe was, like, kind of a Michelle Rodriguez sort of, you know, yeah. uh, type in action movies. I think she's actually good at, at kind of playing the, the, the badass Marine here. But, like, James Woods and Alec Baldwin, uh, not good guys. No. Uh, <laughs> But generally good character actors, but they're so fucking <laughs> flat in this movie. Baldwin's performance is so It's awful. It's, so it's the bad. worst he's ever been. It's it's it's, it's remarkably bad. <laughs> what did he think he was doing? Like I wonder if he just had no context for what the movie was, or maybe he just read none of the script and he just did all his lines in isolation. <laughs> James Woods has a line. Where he's like just accidentally released aliens into the like sanctuary city of New York in order to like do a false flag attack and create the the need for him to use his big gun. And he's he fucks it up and the aliens get loose. and He just goes, what have I done? 
<laughs> hey James, you want to you want to do another one? Can we get no, like just a run it. of those? You've got it. I got I got to get out of here. I got a Capri Sun to finish. If I do one more, I'll have to tell you uh, something I think about <laughs> politically. Uh, this yeah, they were particularly bad, uh, and not just because they're bad guys. Truly awful. They they it had the vibe of, and I'm not denigrating all of these types of performances, but it, it, it felt like early voice uh, voice acting in video games. Like it, it felt yeah. like Final yes. Fantasy, yeah. like you're right. It felt like nineties video game tier of voice acting. Yeah. And, and especially for James Woods, character, because character design is like re- very, very, yeah. yeah, you know, he's like this, 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 you know, gloved uh, coat wearing mustache, not doesn't have a mustache, but he might as well have mustache. Arched twirling eyebrows, type of villain. like 100%. Hair. He looks yeah. like a fucking Nazi. And he's, it, feels like a performance where you can't go too big he also and he just he also does like the most anime thing i've ever seen in a major motion picture which is when he's contemplating what he's done to new york city he takes out a gun and puts it to his own head yeah <laughs> that was insane that actually rules that's actually uh, great. i like i forgot about that until you just said it but like also like james woods was in hercules and he was um oh he's fantastic he, he was hades and he was great in that like he's yeah. voice acted before He's uh, fucking great so, yeah. Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he reprises Hercules and Kingdom Hearts, and he's really good. But it's it's interesting. It, it, maybe he didn't care about what he was doing in this one. I yeah, it makes me wonder. Maybe they were just like limited in time, or just like the actors didn't have a lot of context, or just maybe it was how it was how they were directed. I have no idea. I, but it, it's <laughs> I'd like to pretty universal. That the direction was more realistic. We're it's going to be really realistic. Could be that. Yeah, more play realistic. It, play it smaller. Play it re- maybe that, that was it. Um, yeah, I want to point out a couple other things from this movie that I loved. One is very early in the movie, Dr. Sid takes out a journal. <laughs> and he's, he says, he, he opens it and shows it to Aki. And Aki's like, what is this? And she reads it and it's like, perhaps there are spirits within every living thing. And uh, and those spirits could, uh, you know, help heal the planet. And he takes this diary and he's like, yeah. I wrote that 40 years ago. And then he throws it in an incinerator and, <laughs> and she's like, why are you doing this? And he's like, because Galileo right. was punished for his views. But the truth is, this dude has had that journal for 40 years until that. Like, he's never burned yeah. it previously. But I, but I, I, I do I do still like that moment because yeah. it kind of sets the stakes of like what the si- like, like there, there's 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 things like that that work. Um, I really like the uh, tech design in this movie. I think a lot of it looks Great very, very fucking uh, Midgar-esque. And I also really mm-hmm. like the jelly drops, uh, which like when these dudes, when these soldiers leap out of planes, they do it without parachutes and they fire jelly at the ground and then hit the jelly and slow into like a regular landing. And I was like, that's fucking awesome. That's a cool idea. But movie could have used more of that because a lot of it does feel kind of generic. I, I also say, like, just on the mechanical design sense, the actual Zeus cannon yep. is really well rendered. Yep. And that, that moment when that thing comes to full power, and then later on it when it when it's fucking destroyed, all that shit looks looks I like the way the also, Phantoms look. 
I like yeah, the Phantoms. Fa- I think Phantoms the Phantoms are cool. There's, great. There's some, firing a, there's some good artists. Firing a fireworks gun in order to see them. Fucking great. Mm-hmm. Like wherever those mm-hmm. particles fall, which is also a great way of like saying, hey, we need a, 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 a weapon that has a lot of particle effects because that's going to really show off how good our CG is. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked. Uh, so New York is surrounded by this like bubble this like energy bubble that keeps out the phantoms and you're like that's Mm -hmm. a great concept okay cool and then they they say if that's true then what else is true later by creating a mini submersible submersible that has the bubble technology like that bubble shield constantly being refreshed around the outside of it and i was like fuck yeah guys that because if you had that tech Mm -hmm. and you needed to go somewhere else where there might be phantoms you would totally use that tech then i was like but why don't they why don't they just surround the soldiers with that shit like why aren't why aren't the soldiers and essentially sure if like, this is true, what else is true only goes so far, you know? Like, you can only think about so many things. They should be in, like, That's hamster true. bubbles. Like, hamster wheels. And, like, running around in the in big bubbles. Anyway. And the gun, the bullets should be that. Um, Mary really laughed at... There's a moment where... So you, over the course of the movie, these, this, like, party builds up. And you got, like, essentially Vasquez from Aliens... Uh, yes. Steve Boucher, like you've got that's, this like that's the little, little squad of 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 dudes, and one of them gets impaled. And uh, Bing Rames' character, yeah, yeah, Bing Rames gets impaled, and then he's like, "Leave me here," and they're like, "No, we won't." And he's like, "No, leave me here. Just give me a gun." And they're like, "Okay, do what he says," and they give him a gun, and he's like, "Now go," and they turn around and just walk away. Like without any sense of urgency, they just yes. <laughs> they well, he's got it. I'm just gonna walk. <laughs> walk slowly yeah. away, which is really funny. Um, it's str- that struck me as like maybe that was just a you know the the production workflow of like they they did the if they you know maybe they motion captured it earlier with them walking and then when they were animating they're like well fuck this doesn't work but we we already did the motion capture section yeah. so we're locked in if we this, speed it up know. it's going to look weird uh, yeah. <laughs> so then the final thing i want to shout out about this did, uh, Masterpiece. did the movie did the did the movie reignite my <laughs> interest in having this final fantasy seiko watch yes have i looked at my own wrist and thought can i wear an apple watch and the seiko final fantasy watch at the same time Yes, I've had that thought. Uh, <laughs> then I was like, is there a, why isn't there a cyberpunky like Apple Watch face? Like why, mm-hmm. why, why are they all so, I mean, it's Apple. So, you know, it just, they want it to look friendly, not like mean and terrifying. But sure. the final thing I want to shout out about this movie is that there's a beautiful uh, Spirits Within credit song that plays, which... That song is great. Yeah, it's a great song. But the second... The second song that plays during the credits is by... <laughs> uh, by then superstars Larkin Seal. These were the guys who uh, did the opening theme for animes like Full Metal Alchemist and uh, Great Teacher Onizuka, right? Big, big, like there's big... They they played Madison Square Garden. Like these are big fucking J-Rock stars. And it felt surprising to hear their voices start screaming out 
the spirits within second theme, which I assume was the first theme in other territories, but I'm not sure. Uh, so let's play a little bit of Larkin Seal's uh, Spirits Within song. It's so jarring when this hits mid-credits. <laughs> it's so disorienting. <laughs> this fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it really is just late 90s butt rock. That hits after a very, like, you know, plaintive and beautiful song that precedes it. I really think a big part of it is just context because it, it's it so rubs against everything that happens in the movie and again the previous song. But maybe if I heard that song in a different con- a different situation, I might not bother might not bother me as much. the The ending like set piece was sort of like the the first part in the movie to me that I was sort of like I guess this is kind of like Final Fantasy stuff, like this like really big. The big phantom, the was it the the Gaia phantom, I think it's called, uh, like having like all those like tentacles and stuff like that. I was like, that's like you'd see something like that in a game like this. Uh, and then at the end, when you know, what's when Aki is like looking out into what has happened after mm-hmm. you know the resolution of the film, the world beyond that looks what I would think a Final Fantasy world looks like. Yeah. At the very least. Yep. Because uh, the rest of it, the rest of the movie is all like brown or gray. Yeah. And it's not really like fun to look at. At least there's like a, a, a big splash of color. Uh, you know, not a lot of color. It's like blue and white and like <laughs> maybe some trees. Uh, but I, I thought that was at the most Final Fantasy at the very end. And then you see an eagle or a bird of some kind flying and then the music starts and then it's over. You know um, what it's hey, oh I, you know what it's a lot like oh go, go I, on. I I just I had an answer to an earlier question that I found uh and I wanted to answer that earlier question. Mm-hmm. Animator Matthew Hackett, this is from Wikipedia, but, uh, you know, source is uh, the making of Final Fantasy, the spirits within Blu-ray featurette from 2007. Mm. Animator Matthew Hackett stated that while motion capture was effective for many of the scenes in others, animators still had to use or make all their movements manually. Hand and facial movements were all done manually. So. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's really labor intensive. It explains why a lot of the dialogue is done with characters wearing helmets that cover their faces because they don't have to worry about lip flap. Uh, but it, it, but it also it, it does make it all feel kind of lifeless. I, I would that that made me think that like you know it kind of resembles in terms of the absence of emotion from the characters. It's like the the quote unquote live action Lion King remake. Yeah, how just like all these animals that are meant to be based off of photorealistic ones 
they just they they can't convey any sort of expressiveness and as as such it, it maybe even makes the the voice performances themselves feel a little flatter uh what i was gonna say is that that what you were talking about matt is i think this was that era where they were with adaptations of nerdy shit. They were just still running away from the source. Mm-hmm. I mean, the X-Men franchise was obviously a lot more successful, but that was another thing where it's like, everything has to be cool and sleek yeah. and gunmetal and black. Yeah. Like we we can't, if we're going to reference the X-Men, we can say, you know, they can, they certainly can't be, uh, it, we'll have like a joke about them wearing yellow spandex, right. but we certainly aren't going to like lean into what people like about the comic book. And that's the same sort of thing here. It felt like they ran away from everything, including removing, uh, you know, getting rid of Uematsu and getting a more conventional film it's, composer. It's, it's, it's funny, just like it's funny how much work Marvel has done for the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe has done to change that. Destroy cinema. <laughs> well, <laughs> But Wait, I mean, those eyebrows. Like, it's Marty. <laughs> like by the time you know you're you're watching like Thor and Spider Man and Captain America, like all of them in their bright colors. For sure. Like you're like they had to do so much lifting to because I honestly I think that the reason the X Men are wearing all black leather in the early two thousands is because they were afraid that people would say this is gay like literally that yeah like it would have been like oh i don't like this not hard enough and all of the work that marvel has done to like arc us out of that so that when you see captain america you're not like that guy looks gay and instead are like "Mm, these movies are are uh, have less and less uh return value here I think the Sam Raimi Spider-Man too, yeah, was a were were a big part of but that. Even, just embracing what was cool about even the even Spider-Man is is uh like his costume is toned down. Like he, oh is, yeah, it was like a middle yeah, ground, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I would like to read as we near the end of this uh, podcast, um, or at least this segment of the podcast. I would like to read uh, a, a, a quote from the official U.S. PlayStation Magazine issue 47 from August 2001, which, of course, comes out a couple of months earlier. So it predates the release of Final Fantasy The Spirits Within. <clears throat> uh After seeing the technical achievements of the spirits within, the future seems very bright for Sakaguchi. But the future also seems bright for one other star, Sakaguchi's virtual heroine, Aki. It would seem that she has a strong career ahead of her in future games and certainly in movies. I definitely want to make Aki our main digital actress, says Sakaguchi, as any real actress, we'd like to see her in other features such as commercials or even comedy movies. And in an industry based around image, Aki may have a one up on the rest of Hollywood. Because Aki is a CG character, he says, we have the advantage of showing her at any age. We can even have her come back as a 16 year old girl. That alone is sure to spark plenty of jealous looks from all the rest of the girls in Tinseltown. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be, if you made a movie today and you just like were like, yeah, we're, we, we've we got a uh, it's Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone uh, and Aki Ross as uh, one of the principal <laughs> characters. It's her third lead. She's back. I don't know. It would be kind of interesting to figure out how to get Aki Ross into something now. Yeah. I think we're the ones to do it. I have one thing I do want to touch on, which is be just because this was a thing that I was talked about so much. I think it's been talked about so much in subsequent years. I remember talking about it with my friend at the time. 
the final line of this movie is Donald Sutherland's character, Dr. Sid, saying all of, you know, Gaia is like, Gaia is real. The Gaia spirit is coming out and it's coming out of the earth. And it's it seems to be the salvation of this this ruined apocalyptic planet, uh, you know, uh, and Dr. Sid is observing this. He's he's observing his life's work come to fruition. Uh, and he says. It's warm. The, that's that's the there's no more dialogue in the movie after that. It's Donald Sutherland saying it's warm and that's it. It's a it's a bizarre choice. Yeah. Like to bookend this fucking movie, we're going to close the book on all of the ideas that are presented here by having this guy say it's warm. It's warm. It's warm. It's warm. It's warm. What a film. I don't hate it. It's it was it's interesting to rewatch. I think if you have if you if you were like me and you saw it, you know, many years ago and thought this sucks and are thinking about revisiting it for you know, put it on. It doesn't it does not boring. Nope. No, it moves. no, it's well paced. Uh, and, it you know, it's an it's like an hour 40. So yeah. it, it, it's 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 in, it's an interesting watch. I don't think it's good. I won't go as far as Heather yeah. did, but I do. Th- I I am. I was happy to revisit it. All right. Well, maybe you were wrong. Maybe you were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You guys ready for a a little segment? It's time for the question block. All right. This is a oops, all voicemails edition of the question block. We got a couple of voicemails here. Uh, Why don't I just fucking let them rip? What do you say? Let's hear it. Hey, Get Played crew. This is Alex, a.k.a. PBR Hipster 420 from the Patreon uh, yeah. A while back, Hell Nick yeah. mentioned that The Sopranos' Road to Redemption would have worked better as a narrative-driven game in the style of Telltale's The Walking Dead series. This got me thinking, what are some games that you would like to see deviate from their original genre? Thanks again for all the hours of free entertainment. Edge. Wow. Hell yeah. Love that. Nice. Edge. Nice. Right back at Edge. you, buddy. Yeah, that was the original. I, I, you know, they have a an additional design credit on Sopranos Road to Respect, and that was the original design concept for it. Was more of a akin to a Telltale game. I think I've talked about it before in the podcast a number of times. So yeah, we're talking about like genre shifting something into that format, mm-hmm. or is it more general I than that? It it's just genre any shifting genre something, shift. something else. Oh yeah, yeah, any genre shift, like a like a you know, if uh, if uh, a Final Fantasy. Well, it's kind of the same thing. Final Fantasy Telltale game. It doesn't have to be a Telltale game. It could be, yeah. Uh, and how uh, Final Fantasy 16 is more of an action game than it is an RPG, right? You know what it makes me think of is Metroid. The Metroid series made such a great transition from 2D to 3D. Like probably the most successful version mm-hmm. of that, going from you know the the and uh, the the two D uh, Metroidvania genre to being a, an FPS, uh, and I want it would be interesting if they would try the reverse with Halo, if they were like you know what we're gonna make like a two D uh, a two D two and a half D Metroidvania in the Halo universe. We're going to use that world. We're going to use Master Chief or another character, uh, and we're and you're going to control them through that environment. Like that to me would be an interesting subversion of that IP. Uh, I I I wouldn't mind trying something like that. Seeing something like that. I think that so when you see combat in first person games, like yeah. physical combat, the camera is all over the fucking place to try and 
make you feel movement. But the truth is, when you are fighting somebody in like real life or even in VR, you're not swinging your head around wildly. You're kind of locked on them. Yeah. And they they stay visually in the dead center of your conceptual space while your fists and shit like fly at their fa- their heads. I would love to see a first person Street Fighter game uh, <laughs> where, <laughs> where like... I don't even know how you would do it. I know that there was like some genre shifty stuff in, I think, the 3DS Street Fighter game, but I don't remember what that was. I don't think it was a first person Street Fighter. I think that there is an opportunity for a first person action game where you are punching and kicking and doing special moves on the people instead of using guns. Apodaca, what's your what's your what's your take? Uh, probably a Tony Hawk text adventure. Uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, like if there was a Kingdom Hearts text adventure game, I would play it. Um, that's sort of different enough. Uh, I think that that'd be probably top of my list. Uh, even a Metal Gear. Uh, is it? There is a Metal Gear Tactics game. I think right. I don't know if there's like a there's like an XCOM with Metal Gear. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I think I don't like think Metal so. Gear Acid is like a card battler. That's yeah, that's right? its own yeah. thing. Uh, a Metal Gear XCOM would be good. That's an interesting. I, that, yeah, and maybe unless unless we're forgetting yeah. a game, yeah. If they because they did that with a Gears of War, they did a Gears of War tactics. There was actually pretty yeah. good. I think there's you know, that's like I don't know me coming up with this right now. It's probably the best idea I've ever heard in my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's listen to another voicemail. Hey, what's up, guys? My name's Brandon. I'm from. Uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, uh, huge fan. So I got a question. Uh, the last month I decided to finally check out the Resident Evil series. Uh, within the last month I've beaten RE2 remake, uh, RE7, wow. RE8, and I'm about 10 hours into RE4 re- remake. And, um, uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, really awesome to be able to kind of run through them all in a row. re 8 definitely my favorite by far but uh all of them are great so my question to y'all is um has there ever been a game series that you never really uh interacted with that you came to later in life and uh kind of blew your mind anyway uh love the show uh love you guys thanks for doing it bye thanks brandon that's a great, great question. question i mean i'll i'll stop the i'll start things off and and just because this is something i've mentioned before on the podcast and uh, and and also I'll say this and then maybe we can all think of one and maybe I'll have something better to say. But I, I will lead off with the Mass Effect franchise. I discovered like I always was always on my radar, never got around to playing it. And then when they released the Legendary Edition, um, I just had a, an absolute blast playing it and thought it was such a great piece of science fiction uh, in any medium. And. So that's definitely one that I came to, you know, years after its release and was ex- was excited to play and excited to talk about it. Uh, it goes without saying right now, Final Fantasy is that for me. But um, when I got my Xbox, uh, the, my Series S, I the first game I played all the way through was the was Gears Five. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, lo- I loved it. I never went back to finish or play the other uh gears games but i I loved gears 5 so much i thought that was such an incredible game and uh i also played through um 
some Halo games, and I loved uh, Halo Reach quite a bit. I, I I thought that game was absolutely incredible. I had never played it, any of the Halo games before, uh, and I went uh, straight through that one and played some of uh, one and two. I guess my answer is Fortnite. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because you know I I had avoided it for years and then became insanely addicted to it. So Fortnite. Yeah. Un- unsurprising answer from Heather Ann Campbell here on. <laughs> Here's another voicemail. Hi, y'all. This is Corinne from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was calling with a question about your favorite, like, sick day or, like, burnt out crispy games to play. Like, for some strange reason, whenever I am stressed out, I have to go to Slay the Spire. And because I've been stressed out for like two months now, all I have played is Slay the Spire for two months. So I was just curious if there were other games that you all had that are sort of like the equivalent of like an after dinner drink or a chicken chicken noodle soup to soothe your soul. (laughs) I guess that's what it is. All right. Thank you for considering this uh, question that I stumbled through. (laughs) Thanks, Corinne. Thanks, Thank thanks, Grant, and uh, hey, I hope you're feeling yeah. better. You know, my answer for the longest time was was the uh, was the Diablo franchise, and then Hades comes along, and it was Hades for a bit. But I will say, I was I was super sick recently, uh, and I, I I talked about it on the podcast when Gabrus was on. That was that's when I was binging a lot of Diablo four. And that was honestly great because just the hours melt away. So so a Diablo game or a or a civilization game is the other one that just makes me kind of time travel. Uh, you can kind of get lost in it, and that's a big part of making being sick so endurable. But you know what? From this point on, maybe it's going to be Dave the Diver because that game wow, fucking rips. Wow, Dave the Diver. Wow, he loves. You got to play Dave he the Diver. Loves Matt, Dave. Play Dave, look the at Diver. him go on Dave. Dave the Diver. <laughs> You've been down too long in the midnight sea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So my. My immediate answer in my head was for that noodle soup feeling, Sega CD games, which mm. have enough um, like sound and, and like like Snatcher, right? It's got yeah. enough going on that it's not boring, but it is also not demanding anything of you. Like you can move real really slow at your own pace through those games without um without like yeah without putting too much effort in and so yeah i think i think sega cd games are are my my chicken noodle soup how about you abadaka well i have two answers right so like because sick and stressed are different modes for me right like sure i mean honestly if i'm sick i'm probably not going to be playing a video game uh Mm -hmm. But like if I'm like a little bit of sick, like I have like a little cold or something, I'm just like, oh, I want to play a game. But I, I it's going to be low input, like a low input type of game, like where I only have to press a couple of buttons. I don't have to be like the master of the controller. Right. So that to me is going to be something like something I've replayed a lot in my life, which is like Pokemon, like a Pokemon game. Like there's there's oh, not sure. a lot of interactivity. You're just pressing A mm-hmm. and walking around. That's kind of that's kind yep. of it. If I'm stressed out, which I think I am right now, 
because of this podcast? Not, well, uh, no, no, um, no, uh, you know, just everything. Yeah, just uh, yeah. this doing this. I could do this all day with you guys. Uh, I need something where I can just fucking win. Right. Like I need mm, to fucking sure. I need to be Kratos. I need to be Clive Rosenfeld. Uh, is that his name? Rosenfield? <laughs> <laughs> Clive it's Clive, it's, Cl- it's Clive Rossfield. Uh I need I need to be someone that can just fuck shit up. Uh and yeah. just get in there and and take out hordes and hordes of enemies. I need to be Leon Kennedy, right? Like I sure. that's that's where I'm going if I'm stressed. I want to I want to fight. I want to I want to win. I want to destroy. Uh this next one um I don't actually know who sent this one. Uh, oh boy. Hello. Um, I'm just a mouse. I'm a tiny little mouse. Uh, my name's uh, Andy Andrew. Andrew the mouse. Uh, I guess I wanted to call in and just say how much I love the podcast, but uh, I, I had a suggestion, which is you guys should review the the popular 90s video game Biker Mice from Mars. Uh, <laughs> here is, it's Heather's wife Mary's favorite game from her childhood. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Bring back Mary and uh, uh, let's review Biker Mice. It's her favorite game. Uh, we love Heather. You'll do this. Okay, bye. This is Andrew now. Bye. Over now. Bye. Oh man! Wow, thanks, yeah, so that was a real mouse who called. <laughs> Let's get that mouse on. I feel yeah, like, I think we should have the mouse on. <laughs> have lots of. Questions. I feel like this breaks the fourth wall of the podcast, but I want to say something to my wife who's in the room, <laughs> <laughs> which is that we we just listened to your voicemail. <laughs> 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 oh, the mouse who wants <laughs> she she reiterates that she would like to. Oh, I think she's going to come a surprise guest. On wow. The podcast right wow. Here. He- hello, I'm just a little mouse. <laughs> Maybe you should play a video game about my people. But you're mice from Mars. And have Mary Laws on the podcast. Bye. Incredible. Incredible. That was adorable. I love Incredible. it. I think we should, we should do it. Here's I the thing. I think we should too. We're just like, it's like, fine. it's Final Fantasy time, baby. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We, we will. We will. We should we'll finish we'll out Final yeah, yeah, we'll make it happen. We're, we'll finish out Final Fantasy month. And then I think, I think we have a, a game request. <laughs> and I know just the way to do it, but we'll talk about that later. We'll figure it out. All right. And we'll definitely talk about biker mice from Mars uh, for longer than we talked about Final Fantasy this year. I don't know. And <laughs> this episode. God. Well over two hours. <laughs> I have to eat dinner. I have to go eat dinner. Yeah. Mary's in the same room as you because she's tapping her watch and her foot. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that was the question block, and that's this week's Get Played. Our engineering is by Alex Gonzalez, Dead Air Alex G on Twitter and Instagram, and also... We got Get Animated. You got you get played here, but you want to get animated? Check out our paywalled show, which you can find only now at patreon.com 
slash get played. Uh, Heather, what are we watching? This, this podcast was longer than the movie itself. That's making that's making content, baby. We are watching the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya mid 2000s mega hit. The melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, where we are in the final stretch uh, with the final two episodes of the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, which is in broadcast order. So those are episodes five and six. Five and six this week on Get Animated, which you can uh, find at patreon.com slash get played. I know it's confusing, but we're get played. So we're get played. Patreon.com slash get played to get animated. Yeah. And um, that past guest, past guest John Gabris texted me, Nick, you got to play Dave the Diver. He texted you right now? I replied, oh, no, this was while I was playing yesterday. <laughs> I was like, dude, I was playing. Dude, I was just playing. It's fantastic. Guys. <laughs> you gotta play Dave the Diver. I gotta eat dinner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. More out of the episode. Uh so yeah, this has been uh uh this has been a great uh record of um here uh listening to us talk about one of the best movies ever made, Final Fantasy <laughs> The Spirits Within. <laughs> and uh if you disagree, then you got played. It's warm. Uh- <laughs> 